This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. Hey guys, welcome to the Hero Academy podcast, the place where you can celebrate and highlight our frontline heroes, people such as nurses, firemen, EMS, police officers, and military are all heroes without capes. I don't care about politics, only positivity and purpose. I only care about those that have chosen to serve our society. I believe in collaboration over competition. Here, you'll learn the secrets and strategies that let ordinary people become extraordinary inside of their purpose. Sometimes we'll throw in some simple side hustles that everyday regular people are doing, things that you could do to make some extra money, especially if you're starting to think about retirement and what's next. Inside this podcast each week, you'll learn from people like you that were working full time, but still found the time to create a course, grow a big team, create a coaching program, a large audience, or a profitable side hustle. The steps they took, their backstories, and how they overcame their burnout that they were facing. The perfect blend of mindset and techniques. Carpe diem. Now let's get your dream lit for your freedom. I'm your host and coach, Super Dave. Let's go. This week's episode of the Hero Academy podcast, we have Bart Wachowski, uh, pronounced just like the Wachowski brothers from the Matrix that we were saying. Uh, mm -hmm. I watched every single Matrix movie, and uh, then we watched the animated ones, and then we watched yep. Behind the Scene. We, you know, I was obsessed with that movie. Oh, that movie was like, so when the first one came out, that was like the first date night I went on in high school, and the girl I was dating at the time did not like it at all. She's like, that is probably the worst movie ever. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like guns and blowing stuff up. It's so cool. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Needless to say, that relationship did not last. That was gone. And it wasn't, she wasn't compatible. No, she was not. She, you know, she was the glitch in the matrix is what she was. The woman in the red dress that walked by that looked good. And then mm -hmm. you're like, uh, you turn around and it's a, it's an agent. Exactly. And she didn't like the military and I was going in that direction anyway. So it was like, all right, goodbye. This is over. Did you join the military? I did actually at uh, 17. And funny enough, it was to try to impress another girl. <laughs> I've, heard, know, guys, I've heard of guys will smoke crack to impress a woman. I, I you know, I've, mm -hmm. I've had a few people that told me that's how they started. They were hanging out with a girl in a motel. Yep. And it's like, dude, you smoke crack for her? <laughs> I'm not surprised. And you know what? I used to always say this, well, you know, back in my younger days, before I got married, he'd be like, huh, you know, it all started with the apple. You know, the snake came down. It was the apple. Yeah. I always used to catch it for that. And I'm like, all right, I'll drop that line now. What branch did you go into? So I was actually uh, Army National Guard. Um, oh, I knew I wanted to get into law enforcement and go to school and whatnot. So I was like, what's the best option for me? I still want to do the military, but I want to be home and not be on some base somewhere. Yeah. So Connecticut Army National Guard is the way I went. Okay. All right. So you're not far from me. You know, I'm on Long Island and you're in mm -hmm. CT. I call yeah. that our uh, our cousin state. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I, mean, I think we're everybody's cousin state. We're New York's cousin state, Massachusetts' cousin state. Really not our own place. It's like we're one or the other. I love taking the ferry. Uh, when we go over to Rhode Island, we take the ferry, cut through Connecticut, um, it, it cuts like an hour and a half off the driving. So it's, it's, yep. I, have you taken the ferry down the Port Jeff? Never. No, not at all. And it's actually about, I want to say maybe half an hour from where I live. Wow. And I've driven by it all the time. And I'm like, oh, one day I'm going to do it one day. And one, one day when I actually find one day on the map or on the uh, calendar, that's when I'll take it. So yeah, you should definitely schedule a time to just uh, do that, especially during the summer, like just choose a date on the calendar come down. We'll go to Starbucks. We'll link up, okay. you know, we'll sit, talk. And, uh, you just need, you just need like a good four hours because you'll have your car, you know? So mm -hmm. I, um, I love taking the ferry. I, I don't remember how much it cost to take your car. You know, it's a, it's a few bucks more. It might be like 80 bucks, but it's so worth okay. it because then you could really explore. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I love taking the ferry, especially on a, on a hot summer day. We're going to Rhode Island in August, and okay. I'll be taking the ferry. I didn't schedule it yet, but I'll be taking the ferry across, and we sit up on the top, and it's like you're, you know, it's like a little staycation. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I mean, I love to travel, so that's definitely going to be on the list. And it's so close, too. I'm like, why haven't I done it yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, we got some of the best beaches in the world. I don't know if you know that, but... Oh yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, it shows up. It shows up. Um, I wouldn't say top ten, but I would say top twenty for sure. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I've traveled a bit too. Do you have a favorite place that you've been to, that you've traveled to? Oh man, um, I would honestly say it probably have to be Virginia Beach. Is really kind of like the place I love because I remember going there as a kid and we only went like once or twice, but it was just that memory of it of like it was huge, it was fun, like the military bases were there, it was so cool. And then I went back there as an adult and you know had it was still fun. fun. It was still fun. <laughs> oh yeah. It was definitely a different kind of fun, but it was definitely fun. I loved yeah. it. So it's one of those places where I'm like, I just I have fond memories of it. I like going back. But I try to keep like my traveling to at least like maybe go in some place a few times and then try new places. Yeah. And just kind of having those new experiences. Yeah. I want to visit all 50 states and mm -hmm. I want to also check off 50 countries. It's nice. like it's a goal. Yeah. It's a goal of mine. Um, I love going international travel, but I want to get paid to go there. I don't want to yep. necessarily pay. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh so I hear my, that so my vision is like someone pays me to come speak on a stage and then I extend the trip a little bit longer mm -hmm. and uh just explore like when I'm someplace like I went to Colombia I oh. went to uh Japan when I when I go to places I like to acclimate like I'm living there and mm -hmm. I like to kind of envision like living there I was I spent nine days in the Philippines in Manila okay Yep. I didn't really enjoy that city, but uh, mm -hmm. outside of there in Cebu, it was like a tropical lush forest. And that was that was beautiful. But Manila, it was a very sad place, very poor. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. There was a lot of homeless children on the street. Okay. So uh, like I didn't like the way that and, and then at nighttime, there was a lot of uh, I guess the area that I was in a lot of prostitution. Okay. Can't speak for the whole city. Obviously, I didn't get to explore the whole city, but the area that I was in, it seemed that there was a lot of prostitution in a certain area, and a lot of homeless children running around. And I was—I didn't understand why there were so many little homeless kids running around. Um, have you been outside of the U.S.? Oh yeah. So um, I was actually born in Poland. Came cool. here when I was about two, so that was my first like European thing. Um, I've been to Iraq for the military, Qatar, uh, Kuwait, uh, Spain, but that was off like the a military, military, off the military, all base. for the military. Yep. No, but have you uh, been off the military bases? Oh, off the military. Um, when we you were, were in those places. Yeah, we were in, when we went to Qatar, that was for, uh, like three days of like R and R, um, beautiful over there. Cause we were staying at a hotel. It was like out in the middle of the city, gorgeous. It was probably one of the most cleanest places I'd ever been. And that actually got me hooked. Cause I was like, okay, now I want to go to like the UAE. Like that's yes. where I want to be. I want to be balling with those guys. Cause those yes. places are nice. Yes. But um, yeah, that was really like the only spot as far as like in the middle East that we got to go to everything else is just on bases. I uh, definitely want to see uh United Arab Emirates, the UAE. And uh, now based on your recommendation, I'll go to Qatar um, oh, yeah. and I'll, I'll visit there. And I, I have a long list of countries that I want to see and, you know, places mm -hmm. that I have a book, a uh, thousand places to see before you die, but I don't necessarily want to check off a thousand, just yep. 50, 50 countries. I think it would be cool to just say, yeah, I've been to 50 countries, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you oh, ever make a list? Um, you know what? That's one of the things I didn't do. I just, I have a map. How many, do you know how many you've been to? Um, I want to say probably all in all, this is like a rough guess is maybe 10 other countries. Yeah. Um, through like family trips and the military and whatnot. But um, I have one of those scratch off maps off of Amazon and it's still sitting in my daughter's like her room. 
And I'm yeah. like, I haven't even scratched that thing yet. I'm like, ah, that'll be for like another day. I'll take care of that. How many uh, years, uh, Leo, how many years were you law enforcement? So I'm at the, about 17 and a half between two agencies, uh, 10 for my current and seven and a half with my first one. Uh, I retired there as a uh, sergeant and kind of decided to go into municipal world and been having a blast ever since. That's awesome. So you were a sergeant and you went back to a PO in, oh, in, yeah. and worked uh, and worked patrol. That's that's definitely interesting. Uh, I've been 25 years with the same agency, so um, I'm just kind of riding it out at this point. You know, and mm-hmm. have, have you thought about like how much longer you're going to stay? Oh, I get asked that all the time now. So I'd yeah, say you get probably... to a certain point, you get to a certain point where you're like, you're only looking down. Yep. Towards the, I uh... want to say, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, so I want to say probably a few more years just to kind of with the unit that I'm in right now, I want to see it grow a little bit, expand. And when I feel comfortable that my baby is actually developed to where it needs to be, then I can feel comfortable and be like, okay, I could start this next chapter in my life. But um, who knows if if my chief's ever listening, I'll be there forever. I promise I'll never leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, they know they know that everyone oh, yeah. is planning. I, I'm not planning on leaving anytime soon, but they know that everyone is starting to near that. Like, I, Definitely. you know, I, I may be there for three, four more years. I may be there for another seven. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I always say I'm one bad day away because <laughs> yep. uh, I can retire at this point, um, mm-hmm. but I just have to have everything in line that I want to have in line before I actually mm-hmm. do it. I, I know that you're in the crisis unit. How oh, long? Yeah. yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> so this one is actually a, a real funny story. Uh, so the crisis unit that we have at my agency has really only been up and running for about a year and a half now. Um, it's if new. you've ever seen that, documentary of uh ernie and joe crisis cops yeah they're the ones who kind of like sparked my interest in all this um i originally when this all first started so i'm gonna go back a little bit i was actually uh an instructor with our professional um professional um, like our training unit yep and i was an instructor over there teaching and i was also part of the crisis negotiation team at the time so we had a few calls, uh, realized it was really mental health related. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish my degree. I'm an adult student. You know, I'm not some punk kid who's in school. And now I'm actually paying it for, for myself. So if I mess this up, it's on me. Yep. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish my degree and it's going to be psychology based. So that's what I did. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a top-notch negotiator. This is like my goal. I'm going to be that dude that we write books about. Like that was like everything I wanted to do. And one call away, we did this amazing, um, just a great team effort. We got this woman out and I'm going to jump around a little bit. I apologize. My ADD is going to be kitchen, uh, kicking in. So um, we went to the lady's house. She had pulled a firearm and two cops who responded there. Um, they tried to get her out. They called the negotiation team. We showed up, made contact with her. We started talking. She pulled a firearm? Yep. Um, so the cops retreated, they were outside, they pretty much stacked up. So we had a hodgepodge of CNT patrol, some SWAT guys were there. What's CNT? They were a uh, crisis negotiation team. Crisis negotiation, okay. Yep. So we had our, like our SRT, our SWAT guys, they were in patrol at that time, but a few of them had linked up. And so, uh, what's SRT? I, I know what a lot of these acronyms stand for, but sometimes people don't. Oh, yeah. I, I always throw out the acronym. So used to it now. So it's our special response team. It's like our SWAT team. Yep. And they're over there. They're ready to make entry. And I'm talking to this woman. The pressure's on. It's like, OK, if they go in, she's got a firearm. We know how this is going to go. So my whole thought process is keep my guys from going in. Do whatever I have to do to get her to come out peacefully. Uh, about an hour later, she comes out. I go and talk to her. And she's like, I just wanted to feel power. I've been an abused woman and I just snapped and so forth and so on. So she ends up getting arrested, rightfully so. But we get her to the hospital, we get her taken care of and whatnot. So that's where that spark really kicked in of, okay, mental health is really on the forefront of what's going on. Let me kind of, you know, learn the tips, learn the tricks, learn what it really is to like get into somebody's brain. So with that, I'm in the uh, training unit finishing my degree, being an instructor, and lo and behold, things are not really working out for me in the training aspect. 
And at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back to patrol, which I was fine with. I was like, okay, this is going to be a good thing. I'm going to really kind of do the stuff I want to do with being out on the streets and working with people who are having like mental health crisis. And I see my chief and he's over in the uh, other room. He's getting his coffee. And I'm like, I'm going to shoot my shot. I'm going to see what he thinks about this because I had just gotten into the master's program for clinical mental health. So I'm like, okay, I think I got enough now to kind of really see what he's going to say about having a unit like this. And I go walk over to him and I start with a joke and I go, hey, you think the PD and the city might be willing to pay for me to finish my master's degree? And I knew I was going to base it on his laugh. If it was like that belly laugh, like he was excited, I was in. If it was going to be like that ha 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 laugh, I was done. Right. And he gave me the belly laugh. So I'm like, yes, score. I got the hook in. I'm good. And we started talking about it. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm not just, you know, some cop who's walking up to you, which just I'm really good with the mental health crisis, but I'm actually going to have letters behind my name eventually. And he's like, yep, write it up. So one of your past guests, uh, Jeremy Brewer, I actually reached out to him because they had something like this at his PD. And I was like, hey, can you kind of give me the write up? Because I really want to be professional and you guys already have this. And it was a business plan. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. So I tweaked a few things, sent it over to the chief. And their reaction was the same as his chief's reaction. Oh, this is great. Absolutely. We're going to go forward with this. I'm like, sweet, I'm in. So it started with me by myself uh, for about, I started April of last year, um, half, in, half in uniform, half plain clothes. And I kind of really showed them like, hey, listen, the uniform really isn't working. We got to kind of dump it. And they're like, okay, go plain clothes. But we don't have a car. You have to borrow a car from the um, youth bureau or CID, whoever's got an unmarked available. Like, okay, this is going to be awkward. I got to walk into their office and be like, hey, can what's I get one of your guys' CID? What's CID? It's our uh, criminal investigation division. Oh, okay. So all the detectives, yep. um, like the special services guy, like the narco Yeah, so teams. you, you got to walk into these guys with uh, 25, 30 years on and say, yep. hey, can I, can I borrow a car? <laughs> exactly. And they're like, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. We got a car for you. They're leaning back. They're handing me like this old Ford Taurus. It looks like the mad egg. I was like, uh-huh. Okay, I'll take it, whatever. And so that's how we started. And just every day, every call that came out, I responded. Um, and I realized that, hey, I can't do this by myself. This is, I'm going to get overwhelmed real quick. So our EMS uh, partners at the time had their own navigator unit started up, but it was strictly substance. So I would link up with them, uh, specifically one paramedic. He was absolutely the best. We would go out to calls together, kind of coordinate. He knew the medical side of it. I was getting more into the mental health side of it. And we would link up and do great things. Uh, then we decided, well, you know, we're, we can't be silos by ourselves. We got to bring in more resources. So we reached out to the local hospital and we linked up with a top-notch nurse over there. She was the in charge of the, um, the uh, like, their mental health unit. So it's called I love, the, uh, I love nurses. I love a nurse. I, I love one nurse now too. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I'm in the same boat, married to one too, for almost yeah. 16 years. Yeah. Yep. So five, we five, love years, our nurses. five years, five years for us. So yes, I, I love nurses. Nice. Yeah. And they're absolutely the best people, salt of the earth, absolutely phenomenal. And so she was like in charge of the mental health unit for the, for the hospital, for the emergency room. So everybody that we usually would like drop people off with or those nurses, she was in charge of them. So we linked up with her and she was an absolute godsend. She kind of really linked us up with all the people that we needed to, the higher ups, the people from like the state level, the local level, all the places that we had no idea how to connect to, she really got us in. And so it just blew up from there. We got more cases, more linking up, um, really kind of just bringing the fight of bringing, assisting people in mental health crisis out there and being proactive. And from there, the PD kind of saw something there and we're like, okay, hey, listen, you know, you're at like almost 600 plus cases. You might need a little bit of help. So I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever you guys can throw me, that'd be great. Um, so now we're at myself, my partner who works evenings and we actually have an embedded clinician now. So she's a uh, licensed clinical social worker. She's with us, she's mobile crisis. So she doesn't go to where she's actually based out of. She's with us inside our office Monday through Friday, goes on to calls with us, the whole nine yards. Very so cool. You have a little, little team. Oh, yeah. And I 
trust these guys with my life. They do the same with me. And it's just this awesome, real good mesh of just everybody under the sun. It doesn't matter if it's police, clinical, EMS, nurse, doctor. It doesn't matter. We even have pastoral counselors in with us. So we're using the local pastors, everybody under the sun. It's just, it's really a community now of just all of us coming together to try to help people. And it's, I, it's wild. Um interviewed a guy from Maryland who was a former state trooper, Vernon Hernan, and he runs a peer support group. And they actually have a car that says peer support. And um, I was thinking that if they ever wanted to expand your unit, they could have a couple of guys who are like on call for peer support. Mm-hmm. But then I, I think you could use a couple of more officers for sure right oh, yeah. like a couple more Absolutely. guys who their heart like you have to have your heart in it you can't just like want to get into plain clothes and mm-hmm. not want to push the sector car and like your heart has to be in it and you have to be there for the right reasons and i could tell from the way that you speak about the unit that your heart's in it for the right reasons um do you do anything outside of outside of work or is this all that you do oh no so I don't like just having one thing on my plate. I like to have like a million. So I'm actually finishing up my uh, master's in um, clinical mental health counseling. So I'm going to be a licensed professional counselor in January, actually. Are you going to teach also? Yep. I'm still going to be teaching. Uh, I still do the academy. I still do- I mean, uh, I meant teaching uh, clinicians outside of the PD. Will you be teaching what you learned? Oh, yes. With your master's, with your master's, you can teach. Yep. There's a uh, course listing that we have over here. So I'm actually an intern here at uh, Under Wellness Center. And (laughs) yep. And all we do is first responders. So that's kind of like my bread and butter now of where I really do my intense counseling. And yeah, it's, um, it's always one other thing. But one of the things I'm doing over here is creating a course list to teach uh, clinicians how to be embedded with PDs, how to uh, create other units like this. Because when I first started this, there's like a few places that do it. I know NYPD's got one, LAPD's got one, San Antonio obviously has their mental health unit. And I reached out to um, Ernie and Joe. I just cold called them on LinkedIn. So I'm like, LinkedIn's probably the best thing out there. Yeah, it is. And they were two of the coolest guys ever. They were like, absolutely. What do you need? How can we help you? And I still hit them up every once in a while for advice. Like, hey, you know, I got to go to court. You know, how should I present this? And they're like, I oh, just go like this. It'll be fine. I'm like, all right, cool, sweet. But there's really no other like courses out. There's a course for everything. There's a course for leadership, firearms, defensive tactics, um, you know, interviewing and uh, interrogation. But when it comes to creating units like this, we're really kind of making it up as we go along. You know, we're bringing clinicians, we're talking to the right people, but there's no playbook. So that's something that I'm looking to try to maybe have down the road where it's an actual like, okay, from point A to point B, this is what you got to do and everything in between. If I had less time, I would try and create a, they actually have a behavioral unit in my agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, I, I don't know too much about it because I've been off the road for uh, seven years now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I know very little about it, but um, I'm sure there's all kinds of obstacles to getting it. Probably the number one obstacle is getting your department on board. And I, I guess it's all in how you present it, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, I went into a department that was very, um, they were cops, cops all around. I mean, we were, we're an inner city. So we were always guns, drugs, prostitution, violent crimes. We have a few homicides almost every single year. Yep. And so that's pretty much where everybody was going. And those are the kind of calls that we were responding to mostly. But we also have three major mental health private practices within our city. So it's kind of like, we also have a huge abundance of that. And when I went through the call log, I'm like, okay, we really need to kind of start pushing resources in that direction. Um, And to sell it to these guys was a tough sell because they were like, you're not a cop anymore, bar, you know, you're a social worker with a gun and a badge. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll I'll take that. That'll be the title of my book, you know, (laughs) but um, it was, it really didn't take too long because once they realized, like, hold on a sec, I go to this call, but I can call you and you'll take over and you'll do the paperwork and I get to leave. Yep. I'm like, yep, just call me. I'll take care of it. I got it. I'm like, okay, 
spot on. We're down for this now. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's how I got to sell. Like, I will take all that work away from you guys. You don't have to worry about it. You can go and do the other stuff. So after some time, they start realizing that we are a, uh, we're useful. We can be a huge help and we are called constantly. Yeah. If you tell people I'm going to make your job easier and take work away from you, uh, mm-hmm. people jump on it. Unless, unless you're taking work from a small unit, like, yeah. like if you're taking narcotics from narcotics unit that's a Mm -hmm. fight but if you take if you take the types of calls that you're talking about from patrol officers they're all for it oh absolutely yeah that's why i made sure to stay away from like substance usage because if i started diving to that like hey guys you know i'm give me like the list of the people that you're talking to they would laugh me right out of the office i'm like ah that's more of a medical thing that's not really a bar thing yeah, I um, my view on drugs have changed a lot over the years. I feel like I, I'd love to see the experiment of if they uh, just experiment with for a couple of years if they legalize drugs. You know, mm-hmm. if we stopped, I, I, I'm all for going after you know drug dealers that are pushing heavy weight, but mm-hmm. um, not necessarily addicts so much. Yeah. Um, I, I would love to see what would happen if we legalize drugs just for a couple of years. And, and I, have, I, have, I have conservative views on a lot of things, but that's one of those things that I would love to see. I, I just like to see what would happen as an experiment. Oh, absolutely. I, I would be totally down for that too. I would love to see that. Like I'm waiting to see what happens in Colorado with just everything that they're legalizing and allowing now. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road for them. They're, they're hurrying. So, you, you know, we watch the news. We see kind of the things that are going on over there. The cops are, but they only highlight the negative. We're not really seeing any of the positive. Um, so I'm sure there is stuff good that's going on over there. It's just, we kind of have to get through this heavy stuff first before we can get to that. Do you have any calls that stand out in your mind? Like, uh, cause you've done a lot of years on patrol, uh, like, the wildest thing or the craziest thing, funniest thing that you remember? Oh man. Uh, I was actually thinking about this from the last time that we talked, uh, trying to think of like a good funny call. There's a few that came to mind. Um, one of them that popped into my head was uh Halloween night. This was like when the zombie apocalypse and all those movies were coming out yeah. and I was working patrol and some woman called in and said that she was being attacked by zombies. Okay. And I was like, sweet, Dawn of the Dead has kicked off. All right, here we go. <laughs> I get to be the first one. Uh, but the one that really sticks out is um, when I was an instructor in the academy, you know, the first two weeks you go into the academy, you're getting screamed at and everything like yes. that. Yes. I was one of those guys who would come in and scream at you. Now, okay. I'm six, seven, just imagine full uniform with everything on there. And I'm coming at you and all that. So when we had the kids down, and I call them kids, they're not kids, they were young adults. But um, we had them downstairs. We made them duck walk. Remember duck walks? Yes. So I would have them quack. And I was yelling at them like, quack, quack. Come on, keep quacking, keep quacking. And one kid would not quack. And I said, oh, it's duck hunting time. So I scooped him up and I started carrying him from one end to the other, having him scream quack, 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 while the rest of them are all quacking. And he's looking at me like, oh, my God, what did I just get into? And all the other kids are looking at me like, who is this psychopath? Like, there's no way this dude's a cop. They must've like let him out of the psych ward or something. He's picking up dudes, screaming, I'm telling him to quack. Otherwise he's going duck hunting. So I put the kid back down. I walk back into the gym. They're all following us in there. We're still yelling at them. And I get to the point where I start seeing my vision start to close in. I'd been yelling so much. I nearly passed out. Oh <laughs> like, my God. I have never seen this happen before, but I, I got really into it. And I loved, like, I loved my time doing it, but it was funny that as I transitioned out of that, my last academy that I ended up doing, I wasn't the screamer anymore. I was actually kneeling down next to kids and being like, hey, you know, if you don't make it, you know, that's okay because, you know, your stuff is going to come to me. You know, I'll just take all your gear. It's all right. Don't worry about it. You know, it's okay. But I would whisper in their ears. And I worked with one guy who like just loved getting into it and he would actually research guys who were just messing up so he would see how they were doing be like okay i'll remember their name he'd go online that night and just research like what football jersey they had 
in high school or college. And then the next day they come in and they're standing there and he'd walk up to him and be like, Hey, 77. And they'd be like, like, Oh, we got you. And it was, it became psychological at that point. That's when we started really kind of messing with, but those are the stories that I remember the most is just having that kind of fun. Uh, because there's always going to be other stories from like patrol and, you know, when you're talking to guys uh, wherever they're, they mentioned something like, Oh yeah, that jogging memory. Oh, I remember that time. Um, but a lot of it is just, it's going to always be there. These stories, um, a lot of the fun stuff that we get to experience and hopefully one day I, I'll be able to start jotting them down. I'll be like, Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. I got to reach out to Dave and be like, Hey, I got another funny story for you. <laughs> anytime brother. Anytime. I can't believe you're six, seven. What do, what do you, you gotta be like 250 at least 260. 253. I hit it right on the head and I can't, yep. I, all I can see is your shoulders, but I know six, seven, my God, you're a monster of a man. Have you ever yeah. had, have you ever had like a, uh, a drunk try to talk, talk shit to you and like, Oh my God. Every single time. I, I don't know what it is about big guys, right? It's like mm-hmm. these, these small guy, I'm a small guy, but these small guys, they yep. want they, they want to like talk shit to the really, really big guy. I, I don't know what it is. I, it's the liquid courage every single time. I always get the Jolly Green Giant. They're like, I'll take you down. I'm like, okay, we can try, but you're not even going to make it from where you're standing to right here. But yeah, you, you might your, guess. Put your palm out. Put your palm out. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. It's like, uh, all right, well, let's take a step back here, buddy. Um, but I'll tell you right now, the craziest have always been the women. And it's actually the teenagers. I want to say like 16 to 17 year old. Yeah. They see me and it's like, Cha-ching. All right, time to fight. And I'm like, I'm just Why? trying to talk to you. Yeah, and they Why? are like scrapping. Why? Yeah. I mean, the hardest fight I ever had was with a girl who was, I want to say 18, maybe 19 years old. Um, we believe that she was having a psychotic break, but you know, substance was involved in everything. And when we were done and we finally got in her cuffs and everything, my uniform was just drenched in sweat. Yeah. And I'm like, how is this possible i work out i run like what's going on and there's like three of us just like what is going yeah, on yeah because people like, don't yep. realize people don't realize a, a five foot one girl who wants to go wild and mm-hmm. you're trying to not hurt them yeah like you know severe like there was a incident recently where a new york city police officer punched a guy in a store that was going wild and the da decided to charge him and it's like what are we doing here? You know, I don't yeah. get into politics very often, but that particular story, um, it's like some parts of the country, not all parts, like where I live, they love the cops. Uh, we just got the go-go killer. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. Were you on that investigation? I, no, I wasn't. You can tell I me later. Yeah, I wasn't in on that one. But uh, yeah, we just got So that's a big story here on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, but in New York City, that it, it's such a difficult job it's that's oh, a yeah. hard hard job any any city any major city like i imagine portland is an extreme and chicago mm-hmm. those are extremely hard jobs and i always tell those people like if you're young and you can just go to another department that you know that is going to support you and love you it seems like you're in a good department that oh, even, though, even though it's busy they they, you know, they stand behind their cops and they support them and they understand that it's actually busy and they understand that there's guys out there doing good work. Oh, definitely. I mean, all our captains, our deputy chief, our chief himself, they're, they'll go out there, they'll grab a car and they will pull people over. They are like, you know what? My badge is not broken. I am out there and I'm still doing the work. We had Which a is chief. like such a great motivator. because We had a chief like, like that. And it doesn't that make you feel good. You're like sitting yeah. now, you're like, yeah, yeah, this is like the kind of people I want to work for. Yeah, it definitely motivates the young guys when you see a guy that's in his 60s still doing car stops. And yep. it's like, hey, what are you doing that for? <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember we would like drive by, like we would hear it on the radio, be like, you know, unit one 1055, which is our code for uh, pulling a car over. And we're like, unit one, wait, that's the chief. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? And no, he's out there still doing it. And we just got a new chief and probably one of like the most spot on dudes I'd ever met in my life. Um, His dad actually crazy. Like I'm going to jump into like how crazy the world is. 
So his dad had actually been my lieutenant at my old job and was like, hey, Bart, you're getting old because I got into this PD later in life. I was like 32 when I joined. And he was like, hey, you still got that spark. You know, you want to go and do, you know, the work in, you know, in in a city. And I'm like, yeah, I still do. So he kind of like helped me along, kind of got me where I needed to be in order to make it through. And so his son now is our chief. All and right, so when cool. I got on, he was like in a narco unit doing wild stuff. And then he was my sergeant for a little bit. So we always like joked around and everything. And now he's a chief and it's like, sir. And he's like, Bart, it's me. And I'm like, I know, but you're the chief. Like, <laughs> How many members of your department r- roughly are there? Like what's the size? I would say we're, we're around 158, maybe 159. We're supposed to be at full strength, which is like at 165. We're actually doing really good when it comes to recruiting. We run our own academy in-house. We have a very quick process. We do everything within. So pretty much we'll get at least an every test, I want to say, maybe five or six people. Okay. That are yeah, that's a mid-size, that's a mid-size department. I just learned recently, like um i would say in the last couple of months that uh more greater than 50 percent of the departments around the country are less than a dozen people really yeah yeah that's like you, you think of these large departments but mm-hmm. um the majority of the departments around the country are less than less than a dozen people less than 50 people yeah that's wild like we've yeah. got a few of those departments here in connecticut and it's every time you hear about them like oh your backup's like an hour and a half away like what's yeah. going on like yeah we don't have like anything going on over here it's good i'm like wow okay yeah. or you have two people out on the road and that's yeah. it like it's you and that other guy it's yeah. um it's it's definitely foreign to me you know coming from i was in the i was in two academies myself so i was in the city for five months and then i was able to leave just before graduation and i went to my current agency mm-hmm. um another six months of academy. I loved being in the academy. I used to think that I was going to become an academy instructor and okay. then I studied for boss there, but uh, I was having so much fun out on patrol and in the streets that uh, mm-hmm. I never went, I never, you know, put in for the academy because <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just, I was, I was, I was having a good time with my partner. And you know what? That's what really makes it work is when you got that good partner there, that good crew. It's like you could just take over the world and you love working. Even if you're working like the absolute worst hours, it doesn't matter. Crew's there, park car to car, you talk, you have your coffee or whatever is going on. And it's just like it makes time fly. Yeah, it's still it's still a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I still tell people that it's it's a hard job. I think it's gotten harder. But pendulum always swings back and forth. Um, yeah. You know, it, it always swings. Right now, it's, it's really hard to be a police officer in the U.S., but uh, it also depends on where in the U.S. you are. Some places are a lot better than others. You know? Oh, and absolutely. Like we were saying, it, it really depends. You have to do your research. And it, uh, Do you have any advice for guys that are getting close to the end for uh, avoiding burning out? Oh, yeah. Start having a game plan of what you want to do. And I mean, I'd say to the kids in the academy now is have your game, have your plan B now. Um, don't wait until it's like a year or two when you're ready to retire. And now you're scrambling to figure out what's next, because I have a chair here for guys who have identity crisis. And it's something that we discuss all the time. Um, but find out what your passion is. Find out that thing that you were that you loved before you got onto the job. And pursue that, whether it's cooking, woodworking, you know, raising cows, it, it doesn't matter. This is your time now to start that second chapter and do what you want. You brought up identity crisis. And uh, could you expand on that? Because that's something that I know that you can speak about. Have you had conversations with guys that have had? Because I've talked to a lot of people that said they don't know what else they would do. Mm hmm. Absolutely. So the identity crisis is something that, and it's not just for us uh, first responders, it goes in the military as well. It's when you ask them, you know, priority, what is it? And it's job number one. I got to make sure I'm there at work. I don't want to, they pride themselves on not calling out sick, not taking any vacation time, working that extra. And then they wear everything that's 
thin blue line this the stickers are all over the vehicle yeah, and i'm not yeah. knocking guys who have like the clothes because i have it too but when it's like you go to a party and you can't wait to tell you know war stories it's like okay but this is this is more than just what you are you're not just an officer of fire there's life a paramedic. there's life exactly yeah. exactly and it's it's really hard to talk to the guys who have been there for like 30 40 plus years who you know they're way past their prime um and you feel horrible for them because they're like what else am i going to do okay well let's kind of backtrack let's talk a lot and i mean it could be some of the hardest conversations ever with somebody when you say it's just a job because i mean we get into the academy and it's you know the profession it's honor it's integrity it's a family and it's true it is it's a, it's an honorable profession but at the end of the day let's call it what it is it's a job yes, it's something that pays your bills and some people even off duty can never turn it off oh yeah and we all know those guys and and gals now yes um they're wearing the 511 clothes they're wearing the shirt that's from wherever and it's like what do you do for a living? Oh, let me guess. You're on the job somewhere. And you're like, yeah. oh, well, how did you know? Like, well, yeah, because we can see it. <laughs> it's like all my clothes now are like Hawaiian shirts. I grew up my hair, so it doesn't even look like I'm on the job or anything. And it's just kind of like these little separations. That's where I kind of start with a lot of my guys that I talk to. It's do the little steps first. Let's start kind of getting back to who you are. What brings you pleasure? What, you know, what is that thing that makes you, what's your spark? I mean, uh, some of them are, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Just... Uh, it's <laughs> so uh, some of them are like, I don't know who I am anymore. This is all that I know. Okay, well, then this is an opportunity for you to start something new. Let's start brainstorming and we'll go through things. We, I've had sessions where it's literally from the time they get into the time they leave, it's just brainstorming. What's the next thing that we're going to do? What's the next vacation that we're going to take? What's the one thing that we're going to start so that we can kind of separate ourselves from this is all I know to that has run its course. It was great while I was doing it and I love it and I have great memories, but now I can walk away from it free and clear and not become a statistic because I mean, how many guys retire off the job and gals and they're dead within two to three years? Yep. And we see it all too often and we preach it constantly. Um, wellness is another huge thing that we try to start incorporating because how many cops are just completely out of shape? I'm not going to stand in a soapbox because too exactly. Many. And we see the ones who get out of the car and you're like, oh yeah, well, you know, if you make it to the end of the shift, I'll be, it'll be a miracle. But it's like trying to just get those little things in there. And I always say a lot of things start with, it's a ripple effect is what I really meant to say. You start with one thing and it's just going to expand out. You know, you start with, you know, maybe changing a little thing with the way you're eating, drink more water, go for a walk. Um, separate yourself as far as the circle of friends that you have when, because we all know it becomes the first responder world and yep. our friends are their friends and it's all interconnected. I and mean, what do we do? We talk together and we talk shop. Yep. Whose department is better? What call did we go on on this one? Who knows who? Who's sleeping with who? All that stuff. All the gossip. Exactly. And it's like when you go to family parties, for example, and I, I'm a huge proponent of diluting the pool. Get those other people in there. And when you talk to family, family is the first one that will like call you out on your shit. And they'll be like, um, dude, okay, whatever. But I remember when you were like, three years old and you peed your pants like come on and i remember i used to get my chops broken by my cousins all the time i was like yeah but i'm this this bad cop you know ha 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 you know this is all the cool things i'm doing and they're like yeah and and when you were 12 you cried like i was like oh damn they got me but it, it grounds you it really brings you back to reality and i think we lose that as being first responders because everyone's telling us oh you're so great you're this hero and we get to do all these awesome things you know some of the, and I used to tell us at parties all the time, the sexiest thing ever is driving a black and white on a hot summer night, screaming lights and sirens to that hot call. We are like, this is the coolest thing. I'm living my dream. But at the end of the day, that's a fleeting few minutes. And that's it. We got to get I, back to reality. I met a army, retired army ranger 
he had rank. I don't remember what his rank was, but he was in charge of a lot of badass men. And mm-hmm. he was like special forces, army ranger. Uh, and I approached him about being on the show. I told him the title of the show, the Hero Academy. He's like, oh, no, I'm not a hero. He's like, I don't go for that. And I'm like, don't worry. I won't call you a hero. <laughs> it's just the name of the show. It's just the name yep. of the show. I'm like, I won't call you a hero. I promise. Uh, very humble guy. But you could see he was like, he. first of all, I, I met him in Costa Rica and he was like shredded, right? And uh, then he had a, the way he carried himself was like a dangerous man, but he okay. was very, he was very chill. Like when I spoke yeah. to him, very, very chill. He's from Brooklyn. Very cool dude. Remind mm-hmm. me a lot of David Goggins. They look very similar. Okay. Yeah. Very similar look, appearance and look, but the mm-hmm. guy he had a, he had like a vibe about him that was like, he's a dangerous man. And I started talking yep. to him and um, he was just saying, you know, he's very, very stoic. He doesn't, uh, he's very modest and he doesn't like, I would never talk about his service. It's more about like, about his life growing up. And, you know, like, I just like to get into people's stories, you know, and just yeah. see what they're about, but don't worry. I won't call you a hero. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that. Yeah. It's always, uh, I respect, I, I truly respect the work that you do. And, uh, and I want to thank you for the, for your years of service and helping first responders and men and women. Um, so you say you do therapy sessions. I do. Um, so I'm an intern, but I am seeing clients. So I work underneath, um, I'm going to drop her name just because I love her to death. Phyllis DeJoya. She's actually the CEO of honor wellness center. And she pretty much is like, Bart, I want you to see these clients. I want you to see this guy's going through a really tough time. You're going to be able to connect. And I have sat here and I have pretty much given up myself as well. I'll go through the hard stuff with them as they're going through it and say, yeah, I've, I've had the nightmares. I've had the issues from my time in Iraq, from the stuff we've seen on the streets. And it's okay. We can talk about it and just spend hours with these guys and gals and it is some it's i know we're doing good things for them we're helping them through get them through the fire but on the other side of it it's also helping me because you know i've seen therapists before without a doubt i'm not ashamed to talk about it at all i think it's something that you know uh, it should be a requirement for any of us who do this because this is not a normal profession who in their right mind would say, okay, hey, go out here and you see that dark alley that God only knows what's going to happen. You have to go down there because something's going on or you're in a far off land defending freedom and you don't know what's out there. We're all of us. We definitely have that X factor to us and it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that we definitely need an outlet of our own. We're a little Um, different. We're a little different for sure. Absolutely. And I agree with you. Uh, Therapy should be like, like you go get a mental tune up, a mental Mm -hmm. check. Every 36 months, every 24 months, you go get a mental tune up, mental checkup. I Mm -hmm. highly recommend therapy to every single person I talk to. I talked Mm -hmm. to a sergeant that had been in a, uh, he had been stabbed. And um, I asked him if he ever went to speak to anyone about it. And he said, no. And I said, well, you might want to consider maybe you and your wife go talk to someone because his wife's still traumatized by the, she, he almost died, lost his life. He almost lost his life. And um, Mm -hmm. he said his wife is still traumatized by too. And I I said, you might want to consider talking to uh, this individual, Dr. Dan, Shout out to Dr. Dan and also a big shout out to Honor Wellness. Thank you guys for the work that you guys do. Uh, if people want to find you, how should they go about looking you up or contacting you or reaching out to you? So I'm on LinkedIn under uh, Bart Wachowski. And then if you just Google Honor Wellness Center, we're here in Glastonbury. Um, you can uh, do an appointment on there. The entire website's got my bio. It's got Phyllis's bio. We have a couple of interns on there who are also first responders, some that have first responder connections. That's what 
really is the people that we serve. We don't do the general public. Um, it's specifically just anybody who is a first responder or first responder families, because we don't want to forget them either. We know that, yes, they're not out on the streets with us, but they are just as much traumatized by the things that we go through. They are up at night, not talking about the things that they're going through, that they're thinking about. Every time they see the news, it's definitely bothering them too. So we extend that to them as well. We bring them in, we talk to them. Um, we try to do uh, group therapies. We're eventually going to do an IOP over here, which is something that is not well, done IOP. anywhere. IOP is, and you're going to love this. So it's individual outpatient uh, or intensive outpatient therapy. It is hardcore therapy, but it's not inpatient. And we're going to specifically tailor it with inpatient. Like if you're going to, um, you're in a locked psych ward, something like that. That's not what this is. It's got the intensity of it. So there is group therapy, there is individual therapy, but you go home at the end of the day. So you're with us for a couple hours throughout the week. And it's really to get to the crisis, help you through it, give you the tools so that you're able to go back to work. You're able to have those continued sessions, but it's not going to be where, okay, I need to take this block of time. And the big thing about us is that we are huge about confidentiality. Nothing ever leaves here. Um, even when I talk to a couple of guys that I work with, they're like, yeah, but Bart, I know you. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a different hat. That's not like Bart that we, you know, we'll joke around with downstairs at the coffee shop. This is, you know, Bart here in this role. And it is strictly, I'm here as your therapist to talk to you, help you through this. And it, nothing ever leaves here. And that's one of the things that I make sure that I really press upon because everybody gets nervous. Who do you know? What's going to leak out? Anything like that. And it's, right off the rip. You don't have to worry about any of that. Nothing ever goes back to anybody. That's really, really important. Uh, confidentiality is so critical. I remember uh, when I was seeing a therapist, I bumped into a few guys at, that, at work that I knew, and mm -hmm. I knew they were also there to see the same person, but yep. I never told anyone outside of that office, like, hey, I ran into this guy while I was seeing my, mm -hmm. you know, I never did that because I understood that they were there to talk about whatever they were there to talk about their own business. And um, I just encourage people like, Hey, if you ever run into anyone outside of a therapist office, just realize that they're going to get uh, a mental checkup. I heard, I heard that, you know, we do, uh, we do blood work checkups, right? We do mm -hmm. physical checkups, but very, very few people do mental do the mental work checkup, you know, they just say, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, yeah. until you're not. Exactly, because it's going to come out one way or another. And that's what we see all the time is that you could put that box and you could stuff that box all day long, but it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, hell, it may not even be 20 years from now, but one day that box is going to explode and it's going to be in the worst way possible. You're going to scream at your kids, you're going to go home, you're going to scream at your wife, kick the dog, whatever the case may be. Um, not saying that it leads to domestic violence, but there could be things that are just going to be completely uncomfortable and out of character. And you're going to be like, where did all this come from? Well, it's all those years of stuffing all this down. You got to have that vent. And I always tell everyone like venting is really what this is. This is not saying, Hey, we're going to go through years of trauma and we're going to cure you in the next six months. This is a very long process, but therapy is really just letting that vent out getting you to a good spot and getting you so that you can be that good husband, that good father, that good wife, that good daughter, whatever the case may be. But then on top of that, now you become an asset to your community as opposed to a liability. The uh, guy I mentioned earlier, Vernon Hunan, he used the example of a sponge and he actually mm -hmm. does it in his presentations where he, he pours in a little bit of water and he's like, this is the trauma that you experienced on a call. And he pours in a little bit more. And he's like, you can see the sponge is able to hold the water. But if mm -hmm. you keep pouring a little bit more water, it gets to a point where it can no longer hold that water. And it just starts coming out in other places. He's, yep. he's, he always uses the example of it may start showing up in other places in your life, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just I want to respect your time. And I want to ask you my last five final questions you may have heard them before but <laughs> if anyone can answer the question you're qualified what's your definition of a hero i actually and, did think about this one a little bit i know it's i know it's a tough question mm -hmm. but um, the answer, to me the answer is simple it's people 
that make sacrifices and serve others. I am going to jump on that as well. I like that. That's definitely um, because I think of just the everyday people out there who when the time when it was time to check in, they checked in. Yes. Um, And I just think it's just doing the right thing at that moment when it needed to happen. Um, But I also qualify that I qualify my answer by um, I love first responders because they're actually in some cases risking their life. Like some people say, Hey, garbage men are, are heroes and, you know, teachers are heroes. But Mm -hmm. if you're not actually physically risking your life Mm -hmm. (laughs) to help or serve other people, then Mm, yes, you may be a hero in somebody's book, but just not. I, I I totally agree with you. I mean, we remember when COVID hit and they were saying, oh, the employees at McDonald's are heroes. I was like, right. and I thanked them. I went there because I was like, I'm working. I think they them. were I they really the essential. Business. Were they really essential employees? No, though? We could have cooked at home. We would have been fine. We would have been okay. Um, yeah, but I, do think I, don't about, like, why, the, I don't know why during COVID. Uh, yeah health wasn't stressed more like actually like some some news did they did pick up on it some some Mm -hmm. did so i'm not going to say that it wasn't completely but it wasn't stressed you know it's like it's like if you keep yourself healthy you have a better chance of living through this and Mm -hmm. it's just like mind-blowing right (laughs) oh absolutely because we would still see people out there and you'd see the lines were long for all these fast food places oh excuse me and it's like, you got to be kidding me. Like the, we have a huge pandemic on our hands and yet everyone's still going to get their slushy. It's like, you, am I missing something? Is it the twilight zone? I would think that people be like, okay, this is the time where like gardens are going through the roof. Like people are out there, like just making sure they're eating the right thing and taking care of themselves. Nope. Didn't see anybody walking have, the streets. We have two gardens in our backyard. My son started his own and then my girl started her own on the other side of the yard. So we have, nice. uh, we have two little gardens in the back. We have uh, mint leaves, basil, tomato. Uh, my son's growing zucchinis and kale. So uh, we got, we got, it's not enough to sustain us. You know, it's just no. like, it's nice having a little garden in the back. We still have to go to a grocery store every week, but it is it is nice having your own stuff and uh absolutely I, I love that he's doing that and i love that my my girl's growing stuff too i always have to make sure i shout her out because she does listen to every episode she's my biggest fan <laughs> that's good you yeah. gotta have that great support system there and it sounds like she's definitely a winner and she's a nurse on top of that so kudos kudos, kudos. all right so mr therapist when stress yeah. is at its highest and you're starting to feel low yourself you kind mm-hmm. of mentioned it before, but how do you save yourself and how do you show yourself love? So when I start seeing that it's actually at its rock bottom and I'm really going through something, I definitely verbalize it. I don't keep it within. I talk to my wife. Um, I'm a huge proponent of animals. I think they are just something that you can really have that stress relief. So we have a dog. Uh, I'll play with her. She's a pit bull, Amelia. I uh, love her to death. But when it's really at our hardest, we also have a horse. So I will go and see the horse. Now, Monday through Friday, I refer to him as the jerk face because he loves my wife. He loves my daughter. That's They have that special connection. He sees me and he's like, what up, dude? But when I'm having like a really tough day and I go there by myself, he knows something's up. He'll actually come up to me. He'll kind of like put his head on me. I'll pet him. And it's kind of one of those just instantly everything's gone. He's just got this thing about him and eventually he will be becoming a therapy horse that we use here. But um, that's kind of what I do. I verbalize it. I let it go. And then I go and find something to kind of just spend some time with something that is just not part of my world at all. You know, pets, stay with them for a little bit. Um, Exercise is another one. I truly believe that letting out something physical. um, So we have a Peloton. I'll ride that for a little bit. Um, so it's things like that, just not sitting down though. That's like one of the worst things possible and just kind of letting it sit and marinate. Nope. It's got to be let out. It's something's got to happen. Something physically. All right. Number three, when you retire eventually down the line, 
do you know what you're going to do full time? And like for yourself, like, do you know what you're actually going to do? Absolutely. So um, private practice is definitely where I'm going. Um, I'm going to be staying here at Honor Wellness for as long as they'll keep me. Oh, thank you. Uh, definitely heading in that direction without a doubt. Um, I still want to get back. So I'm still going to have connections to police departments, but in minor ways, kind of like teaching academies, things like that. Uh, definitely want to teach, still want to teach the clinicians, do all that kind of stuff. But without a doubt, I am traveling. I don't care where, I don't care if it's in an RV by myself, I am hitting the road and I will do some sessions virtually, but I definitely need to travel. I haven't done it in like almost seven years. I need to get back onto the road. I need to see things and the world needs to experience a little bit more bar, you know, why not take, put myself out there a little take bit? Take a one day trip yep. with, with your lady to Long Island and we'll link up and we'll show you guys a good time and we'll take like a walk through like a little trail or something and we'll just like okay. walk talk for an hour all right put it on i love the, it put it on the calendar on game that's a, that's a little staycation and it won't be very expensive you know mm -hmm. and, it, and it'll be a quick one day trip and it'll be kind of like refreshing um and then i'll do the same i'll come to ct and you know we'll yeah. just, I, I love taking walks and talks with people mm -hmm. um it just, it's just something about walking, you know, like I'm not a big runner. Okay. I'm with you then. Because we got some mountains we can climb. We can do some hiking. I'm, I'm good with that. They're, they're gradual trails because I am not doing sides of walls yeah, or like that. Yeah, yeah. We no, definitely I, walk and talk. I love, I love hiking and I love gradual trails. <laughs> Perfect. I can hang, I can hang with that for sure. Um, and I would love to do that with you. Um, what's your greatest power? What's your strength, your best ability? I would say as I got older, it was being a little more not afraid of shooting my shot, of seeing an opportunity and really kind of just seeing what happens with it. It's um, when I talked to the chief and he was about this, it was I was taking a risk. Whether it blew up in my face or it didn't, it was still taking that chance and saying, hey, you know what, let's see what happens. Um, cold calling, uh, Ernie and Joe, that was another one it was like, just give it a shot. What's the worst that could happen? They say, no. Okay. Then they say, no, it's as I got older, it's like, okay, what's going to happen? Am I going to, am I going to be nervous or anything like that? No, forget that noise. Uh, we've only got so much time on this plane. You got to go for it sometimes. I love that. And just for fun, mm -hmm. if you had a comic book superpower, what would it be and why? Okay. So I did actually think about this. I actually put a lot of thought into this one. It would be to fly. And the reason is because I'm definitely afraid of heights and okay. I want to actually be able to conquer that. And I figure if I have the ability to do it and I know I'd be able to land safely, I finally get over it. So I uh, always dream of, do you remember the greatest American hero? Yes, I do actually. So I always dream whenever I'm flying in my dreams, I always dream that I don't have control of my flight and it's kind of like, it's kind of wonky. Like, okay. It, it's almost as if I'm starting to float and I'm floating higher and higher and higher. And I usually mm -hmm. have to grab onto a tree branch before I float off too high. And I've gotten, okay. I've gotten to the point where I was like two or three stories over homes and just mm -hmm. kind of like scared. I'm like, shit, I'm, fl I'm actually flying. And I'm yep. like, but it wasn't enjoyable. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, let's let's talk some more about it. We'll, we'll set up a session. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I don't know why. And I actually love flying. I was uh, I was training to be a pilot before. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I did my first year of private pilot's license. And then in order to go on to continue, I would have had to do three more years of college. Okay. Uh, so I would have had to do another full year of the private uh, pilot program and then mm -hmm. another two years to get the commercial. Okay. Um, and it was just going to be an expensive. And I, I also had to support a family. So yeah. law enforcement was the easier, quicker route. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it, it worked out for me. It seems like it worked out for you too. Yep. Um, funny that you mentioned being a pilot. Cause when, remember like when, yeah, career day at school and like yes. somebody would come in and like they'd be whoever and they would ask everybody, hey, what do you want to do in class? 
they asked me, they're like, hey, what do you want to be? And I instantly said, I want to be an LAPD cop or an Air Force pilot. Neither of which worked out, but that's okay. <laughs> that's how life is for you sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, we have that in common. All right. All right, family. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Everyone I interview, I've chosen for you guys because of this story. And I hope that you get some value every single time. If you did get value or just just simply enjoyed the episode, please share the episode with someone that you know. If you know of a guest, a frontline hero that has an amazing story, something uplifting or a positive message, hit me up in the contact form of www.davidleith.com or DM me at Instagram at David Leith, the number one. Subscribe to the show because I have some really phenomenal guests coming up in the next few weeks that you definitely don't want to miss. All right, one.